Welcome to BioThrive. What does it mean to thrive? I believe that in order to thrive, we need to optimize our biology, our chemistry, and the electrical frequency that courses through every cell and organ of our body. Thriving also means more than just a healthy body. It means abundant energy, deep connections, and happiness. BioThrive podcast is about all this. You're invited to hear from leaders and innovators who share cutting edge science, tools, and techniques to help you become the CEO of your own health. Don't settle for getting by or surviving. It is your turn to thrive. Ashif Khan is Chief Executive Officer and founder of The DNA Company, where personalized medicine is being pioneered through unique insights into the human genome. Growing up in Vancouver, Canada, in an immigrant household, Kashif developed an industrious, entrepreneurial spirit from a young age. Prior to his tenure at the DNA company, Kashif advised a number of high-growth startups in a variety of industries. As Kashif drove into the field of functional genomics as a CEO of the DNA company, it was revealed that his neural wiring was actually genetically designed to be entrepreneurial. However, his genes also revealed a particular sensitivity to pollutants. Now seeing his health from a new lens, he dove further and started to see the genetic pathways that led to his own family's challenges and the opportunities to reverse chronic disease. His measurement of success is not in dollars earned, but in lives improved. Well, I'm so excited to have you here, Kashif. Can you tell us a little bit about what brought you into the field of DNA and and why the DNA company? You know, we use the DNA company at our clinic and I'll share a little later why that is, but what got you here? This is such a unique field and it's interesting. How how did you find it? And it's it's obviously it's so far off from where I started that, you know, it doesn't add up, but Essentially, I got sick myself. So I was, uh, I'm 42 now. I was in my mid 30s running a PR marketing company. So my business was to help companies grow. And in that, I mean, the only thing that wasn't growing was my own personal sort of security, safety, and health mission. Uh, and I got really sick. So I had eczema issues, anxiety, psoriasis. I would, when I would clasp my hand, my knuckles would literally bleed from the psoriasis. I had crazy migraines. And that was probably the worst part. My business partner would have to drive me home and you know, partway home, I'd tell him to pull over because I'd have to vomit from the pain. It was just oh. intense, constant migraines. And just like anyone else that first gets hit with a wave of different things, you kind of go to the, a doctor for this and you take a pill for this and there's a scan for this and you're treating them as all independent siloed problems. And it wasn't until I found a friend who studied functional medicine that told me that looks like there's something genetically wrong with you, you know, because this is too much all at once. It, it didn't make sense that all these conditions just happened, right? There's something else going on. And I started to self-discover that genetics itself didn't help me. I needed to take that and then understand that, yes, it was pointing to things like eczema, psoriasis, migraines, but people with the exact same profile didn't get those things. The environment that I was in where my business partner, who was fine, meanwhile, I had migraines. Downstairs in our building in the lobby, there was a manufacturing company that was pumping toxic fumes into the air system, which I was breathing in day after day after day. 
the genetics of the ability to deal with glutathione and methylation and, and deal with this stuff, I just don't do well. So for me, several years of that daily exposure led to, boom, a whole cornucopia of different conditions that all got masked at the symptom level. All of a sudden, when I understood this, they're all gone. I mean, it's been, what, six, seven years. I haven't been sick a day since then. I'm fine. But you used your information from your DNA analysis exactly. to actually change epigenetically, like what was going on outside. Exactly. Because you had knowledge and then you had power. I had the power to understand what the right choices were for me, right? Environment, nutrition, lifestyle. And not all of those things are as obvious or general as you would think. Some of them are very often they're counterintuitive. As an example, I stopped doing cardiovascular exercise, which you would think, no, that's a good for you. It's a good for you. But for me, it wasn't. So fast forward, I realized that the way that I was able to take what I just did and remove disease from my life. I'm, I'm not sick, right? Doesn't everybody need that? And, yeah. and I could see all my friends, everyone's got the same kind of issues and everything's starting now in their late 30s. And, you know, by the time they're 50, they have a chronic disease. And by the time you're 60, you have two. Then you spend the last 15 years of your life in treatment and that's just supposed to happen. So I literally then walked away from our marketing company. I handed the keys to the partner and the team and I said, I've learned enough where I know this is my mission. I walked away, funded the company and haven't looked back since. And now we have what we have. Wow. Well, and what a time, right? Yeah. Because what we're finding now is that our genes are so in, important and involved in our choices. Right. And I think that I still have patients. I don't know if you hear this in your industry, but I, my patients say, well, I don't want to know. Yes. I don't want to know if I've yeah. got, you know, the BRCA gene or the this yes. gene that I don't want to know if I have a cancer gene. I, there's a lot of fear about yes. it. But I think that there's a lack of information about that there's so much that you can do. Yep. Even little, little things. One of my favorite things I learned from Dr. Mansoor of the DNA company, we interviewed him on the docuseries, The Healing right. Secret. And he was sharing with me about the CYP1A2 gene for right, yeah. Tylenol and right. how, you know, in some people it becomes this carcinogenic middleman. And so yes. if you knew that, you could take a leave. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> so yeah. easy. This is exactly what's been broken with genetics. And that's, that's where things started for me was I, I was told the answers in my genes. But when I sought out that answer, I didn't get it. I got the same kind of underwhelming, you got an 80% chance of Alzheimer's, 60% chance of this. So the things that you don't want to know, right? And I realized that what was happening was the genetic industry was feeding off this sick care system we're in, this you know, disease-centric healthcare system we have about how do you treat somebody's illness as opposed to you under, even ask the question, why did it happen to begin with? So in that genetics was doing what people are worried about, which is here's a report that tells you you have an 80% chance of Alzheimer's. All that's really going to happen is you're going to have anxiety for the next 30 years waiting to see, and you don't know what else to do. Yeah. Meanwhile, if I'm telling you that you have an 80% chance of Alzheimer's, am I not also telling you you have a 20% chance of not getting it with the exact same genetic profile? The difference is 
we need to, if we truly want to study healthcare, we need to ask what were those 20% doing differently than the 80%? Mm-hmm. Because they were given the same genetic legacy, the same risk, same propensity, but they didn't get sick because they did things differently. And those choices, the environment, nutrition, lifestyle choices, that's actually what we did at the DNA company. We said that what's missing in genetic research, we know enough about genes and what, what, what DNA means. What we don't know is why people get sick and why people don't get sick. Mm-hmm. with the same bad genes or weak genes. So that's what we did. We spent the next three years studying 7,000 people, one by one by one by one by one. And that's the only way to document and understand of these 7,000 people, of the 5,500 or so that got sick, here's everything they did wrong, right? And of the two, 3,000 that didn't get sick, here's everything they did right. And it was collective, like, okay, yeah. this happened in this percentage. So it yes. wasn't just a one-off because you were looking at yes. a large, large cohort. In order to be personalized, the evidence-based model doesn't work. You're depersonalizing. You're looking for averages. So we have to go N of one. Each individual person is a completely new story. I love you. I always <laughs> say, you know, we don't look the same because we're not the we're same. Not. Yeah. And penicillin saves some lives and it actually can kill other people. We yeah. are not all the same. Personalized, precise, customized medicine is the only way to go. And now if you do enough of this, N of one, N of one, N of one, you start to see trends. And you start to see not genes, but gene profiles, meaning that this combination we've seen over and over and over again, which typically leads to this risk. So now we know what to tell this group of people. And let me give you an example. And I'm going to bring that back to what you said about BRCA, right? Because that's a very common one that people understand. So when we look at female hormones, which I would say is the area that needed the most work out of everything we touched, we started off thinking that there would be hundreds, if not thousands of different types of women, right? And we would have to come up with all these different solutions. When we went through the first 400 patients, which by the way, were all women, because we started our research at a breast cancer clinic, we found that there was only six different types of female profiles for hormones. So we didn't know we were going to land on that. It it required all of those end of ones, one by one by one, to say that, well, yeah, it's fascinating, right? So every time we see a woman, she falls into one of six buckets. Now we know that genetically, we only need six solutions, not six million, right? But also one solution is not good enough. One size fits all isn't good enough because there's six different women here. And this is why women's experience hormonally sucks so bad. It's yeah. taken for granted that it's your, you're supposed to have problems, it's your hormones, right? It doesn't have to be that way if you understood that the problem is that you have one solution that's designed for six different women and now you're playing Russian roulette every time hoping that you're the right one for that pill, right? And it's a it's a string of pearls, right? So there's the hormone and then those six things. Then what happens to the hormones is, you know, through the detoxification system yes. in the liver. So there's a whole nother set of, well, how are those hormones processed and what does your body do with them? Right. And how long does it take, et cetera? And so there are all these, I would imagine that it does get a little bit like Tetrix and and it's all yes. connected in yeah, a different gotta, way. So that that is the perfect example of what I was going to say about BRCA. So and this this it really paints a picture of the difference between genetics, the thing that people are scared of, versus functional genomics, the thing that will actually help you. So genetics is you have a certain version of BRCA, you have an elevated risk of dying from breast cancer. Go get a mastectomy. 
right? Like Angelina Jolie, go, go cut a piece of yourself off, right? Yeah. So now you ask, what does BRCA do? Like when, when a woman is told that, they're not also told at the same time what BRCA does, because if you were told, you would start to ask more questions. Yeah. Because all what BRCA does is a tumor suppressing gene. It goes and fixes tumors. It also repairs DNA and cellular structure. So it's a repair tool. If you have the bad version of the repair tool, you don't repair well. Right. But you still never even touched on the question, why did I get cancer in the first place? Mm. Right. This is, again, the mask. The Let's go suppress the tumor. Right. 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 So now let's get into the why. And the why is the difference. So the genetics was BRCA. You have the bad version of BRCA, higher risk, not of getting cancer, but of dying from cancer. Right. Why do we get cancer? That's functional genomics. This is more, much more useful. So most women, not all, but most get breast cancer in and around the menopause age, right? Usually. That's when you stop having a menstrual cycle, 12 months of no cycle, you're menopausal. That's what it means. So in the cascade that you talked about, which is the, the hormone cascade, which is dictated by your genes, we know what genes informs each step. You have to first determine what is your dominance, meaning are you more estrogen dominant? Are you more testosterone dominant? Are you somewhere in the middle? Not all women are the same. The rate and the vol volume at which you produce hormones is different for different women. If I give you your genetics, you would know upfront black and white. It's very clear. So that's step one of three. Step two is toxicity. Your metabolite, you don't clear an estrogen. It first gets converted into two four or 16 hydroxyestrogen. Two is great. That's the clean stuff, good stuff that you want. Four and 16, highly toxic. 16 being more toxic than four, right? So now some women are estrogen dominant. They're also estrogen toxic, meaning that they're filling this pool of toxicity every month. Third of three steps is clearance. Glutathionization, uh, an enzyme and gene called COMPT, antioxidation. There's several processes that help clear all this toxicity. Methylation. And methylation, the anti-inflammatory response, is a response to being hit by the toxicity. So between all these things, how then are you dealing with that estrogen toxicity? So some women, heavy estrogen, too much estrogen, estrogen toxicity fueled by too much, so there's too much toxicity, and don't clear it well, so nothing's happening with this stuff. So now fast forward, that still doesn't equal breast cancer, right? What happens when you get to that menopause age, you're still producing the hormones and the toxic metabolite, but you no longer have a menstrual cycle to clear it. So your body wants to keep your organs safe. It starts to store it in fat. And where do women have fat? Yeah. You have fat in the hips and the breasts, and the breasts are full of all these sensitive glands whose cellular structure was never designed to deal with that level of toxicity. Which is also why weight loss resistance in the perimenopause men menopause yes. age is a hormone issue. <laughs> it's a hormone issue, exactly. Right, yes. right on. It's a hormone issue. Yeah. And there's so much that women can do if they understood even that one simple thing, right? So now you have this profile of this woman. And that, now here's an example of a profile. We talked about different layers in the cascade. It's not a gene. One gene does this. You have 22,000 genes. You're not doing 22,000 separate processes. There's systems, right? We already understand the biochemistry, you just need to map what genes instructs each step. So now we've understood that there's, there's a woman that's estrogen toxic, doesn't clear it so well, and is storing it in fatty tissue, causing inflammation. Even then, not all women get breast cancer. What's the difference? Again, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, right? Some yeah. women, in fact, 85% of North American, North American women will go on a birth control pill for an elongated period, five, 10 years. 
adding more estrogen to that estrogen toxicity fire. Some women will go on to a hormone replacement therapy as they age. I'm not, not saying that's a bad choice, but you have to be specific on what you need, right? Not just one size fits all. More estrogen to that estrogen toxicity fire. Right, and, and fill up the tank appropriately. If you're not taking a measurement of right. how much or how little estrogen yes. is in a woman's body on a regular basis, you yep. can easily hit them over the, the edge and the metabolites. You know, yes. we do we do urine testing because that two sixteen hydroxy ratio is so important to know. It's what so are you doing with all of this stuff? Yeah. And we measure all these things for our cars and our, you know, servicing your dishwasher or whatever, but you won't measure it for yourself. Right? Yeah. Or invest in it. Yeah. Yeah. So now if you are that woman that's been adding more estrogen to the fire, then you're crossing over that threshold, that tipping point where there's just too much toxicity leading to that inflammatory response, leading to something like breast cancer, which is, that's the point where BRCA is supposed to go fix it, right? Right. But look at how much we've understood about that very last tip of the iceberg. I now have the tumor. I hope I have a good version of BRCA to help me fix it versus I never needed to have it in the first place. Right. Yeah. If everybody had a personal physician, a concierge physician that was focused on wellness and instead of just waiting until you got sick, all of exactly. these things could be analyzed, adjusted for and customized because having estrogen and progesterone and testosterone and other bioidentical hormone replacement done at the lowest possible dose for your age group does increase women's and men's vitality and, and sense of wellness. Yes. But you're right. If you're not checking, then you could easily just be pouring in the water of the plant and then the plant is just overflowing and it's not yeah. getting to the roots and it's causing problems. Yeah. When you mentioned men, it's the same thing. I mean, we have, so we're in Toronto, which is sort of the Mecca of hockey training. So there's a lot of, you know, the sort of the top, NHL trainers are all here. So there's a season, off-season, where it's just full of players that come here for training. I can't tell you their names, but we do have several NHL patients. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I, I'm hoping you didn't have to deal with what I'm about to tell you. But we had a gentleman here in Toronto. He, he had recovery issues. So he didn't recover as well as his team. And stamina wasn't the same. So they figured he needed more testosterone. So they gave him a, an andro gel pack. It's a it's a pack that you put on your stomach and it puts testosterone into your system through your skin. It's a gel. Great delivery system if it's appropriate. If it's what you need. Yeah. Right? But if the you thinking don't, is, doesn't it just go to estrogen? So this is depending on your genetics, right? For right. some women, uh, sorry, so some men like myself, I converted into something called DHT, which is like the... And then it goes the, your hair. Yeah, that's why, yeah, the hairline is not the best, right? So, but you uh, look adorable like that, so it's good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You're the first to say it, so I have to believe it. I don't know. So the, in that, great. More testosterone means more testosterone. There's some men who convert it all into estrogen. So more testosterone means more fuel to that estrogen fire. So what happened to this guy is he actually got gynomastia. He actually grew man boobs. Moobs. Yeah, he grew moobs. Yeah. And he also lost his libido. He also had emotional issues. Like he completely went off the rails. And the solution to that was give him more. 
Oh my gosh. No, he was definitely not our patient. We would have not, (laughs) we would have been testing and checking first. (laughs) That's where, and now you're, you're talking about the best trainers for the top professional athletes in the world. Oh, I know. We have right? NHL players, we have ball players, we have football players, and their trainers are great for training for the sport, yeah. but not for the health and the well-being right, and yeah. the longevity um, yeah. and the vitality for these players. In fact, That's sometimes I think it's it's detrimental. Yeah, Yeah, and we've been investigating lactic acid metabolism with regard to genetics in some of our pro players as well. And that has a lot to do with recovery. And people don't even think about this. They don't even think about, well, but yet the hardware of your computer or the engine of your car, you definitely know it has an effect on performance, but your DNA Mm -hmm. is is just as, as important. Mm-hmm. And we we are so much more infinitely complex than a computer. You know, yeah. the, there's 57 trillion cells in your body, all being instructed by this human instruction manual you have in different ways. They're all each cell is, and we still don't even know how the body does this. Reading different parts of the code, the part that it's supposed to read, somehow yeah, and responding to the environment, yeah. and then yes. deciding what to do based on the yeah. outside messages. Yeah, we, we now have the ability to read this instruction manual and know what our cells are being told. Right? And now all of a sudden, when it comes to chronic sleep issues, chronic diseases, aging, hormones, what should I eat? What's the, I mean, should I be a vegan? Should I be on the keto diet? How do I lose 10 pounds? The answers are all in your instruction manual already. You just have to read it. Right. And treat it accordingly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You don't put jet fuel in your lawnmower. <laughs> 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 won't make it mow the lawn itself <laughs> it might be fun for the first five seconds then it's gone and then it's yeah. gone yeah. well tell me we've got a few minutes left tell me sure. with regard to our genetics we did our 23 and me for fun i'm 96 percent irish <laughs> And I think that that's what people think of when they think of genetic testing. But the DNA company is really more a a medical DNA test. Is that right? Yeah. That's that's what we've used it for. Yeah. It's the closest thing we could say to sort of a functional medicine genomics test. And why I say that is, so there's plenty of medical genetic tests out there, but they're typically looking for genetic conditions or diseases. They're disease-centric. What we're saying is the entire purpose of the test is so that you know what choices to make. Yeah, so it's activity. Yeah, it's it's, it's actionable. In fact, a big part of what we did was, uh, and I'm sure you know him well, Dr. B.J. Fogg. So Dr. B.J. Fogg runs the Stanford University Behavioral Change Lab. He wrote the book, Tiny Habits. And what we said to him is, right? (laughs) That's what he taught me, the little celebrations. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. So what we said to him was, we think we did a really good job of understanding why people get sick and how to prevent it, or if they're already sick, how to reverse it. We also think we understand pretty well what to recommend, because when it comes to us looking at something uniquely, we also uniquely think about the solution, because we're not masking the symptom. We're supporting the root cause, right? Remember, my eczema, migraines, all that didn't go away from the pills I was taking to externally mask the problem. It was the internal support, which mostly had to do with missing detox genes, by the way. Oh, well, of course. That's why it was piling up. 
That's why it was piling up in all these different areas, right? Yeah. So then we said to BJ, okay, we've figured this out here. What's wrong with me and how do I fix it? That's kind of what people want to know. Yeah. But how do you actually get someone to do it? Because even no matter how motivated somebody is, they're, it, compliance is difficult. You start to feel better and then you don't do it anymore, right? So we brought him on board to actually build the reports, which speak to action, habit change, habit formation, behavioral change elements, and then recommendations designed not as medical literature, but as sort of entertaining uh, education so that people actually do it. So that was a big part of what we, we realized genetics had a few problems. First of all, it wasn't actionable, right? It was more about if it wasn't a disease, you couldn't do much with it. Second, it was too hard to use. We needed to make it easy. Easy yeah. means that I should not need a PhD to understand this information. It should speak to me as if I'm reading an article in a magazine. Right. right? And that, that's what we did. And how? Because we speak to the conditions. We don't speak to the genes. It's anxiety, depression, weight loss, keto diet, you know, all that stuff. That, right. It's easy to read. And personal. Personal. And the last thing is I should be taking action. What, what are the recommendations? That's also a big chunk of what was missing. We're telling you uniquely what's wrong. We should also do the work of uniquely telling you what to do about it because the Because you're normal- not attorneys. Don't just tell yeah. us what's wrong. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. So so that's kind of what we put together. I can give you an example. You know, I'll speak to the sort of depression that I went through uh, when I was ill. And, you know, I, I started my entrepreneurial journey very young because my father passed away and I became responsible for my mother and my sister when I was 17, right? Wow. So I was meant to go into engineering. I had this scholarship, you know, it was all working out and then my dad died. So, yeah. and we were not well financially. So what happened was I, had, in those days, so let me first speak to the genes and then I'll, then we'll speak to the context. So when it comes to neurochemicals of the brain, one of the most spoken one of is a uh, dopamine, which allows you to feel pleasure and reward. So that pleasure chemical, happy chemical, the dopamine pathway starts with dopamine binding. DRD2 is the gene that determines how dense your binders are, how easily you feel pleasure. Then there's uh, the metabolization. So MAO is another gene that kind of breaks the dopamine down to get you back to normal. Then COMPT is the final step of clearance. Let's get it out of your system to bring you back fully to normal. So I have the lowest version of DRD2, so complete least density of uh, receptor, so I hardly feel. I had the fastest MAO and the fastest COMPT, so I last that long, <laughs> right? So I am wired for three options, and I've been through all three of them. Depression, because I just don't get to feel. Addiction, because I go down the pleasure route and pursue that. And that's, but then that's it's over fast and you got to do it again. And I do it again and more and more and more. Or achievement, because I go down the reward route and I treat it just like the addiction where I need more and more and more. And I take big risks like handing the keys to my marketing company over to say, I need to save humanity with this genetics test, right? <laughs> well, so, that one worked out for us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no Not all our faults are bad. <laughs> yeah. So now this goes back to, again, environment, nutrition, lifestyle. And when it comes to mental health conditions, mood and behavior, environment is a major factor. I've been through all three. When I was younger and I was in poverty, I had friends around me who weren't. I lived in a very rich neighborhood. I happened to live in the one ghetto in the rich neighborhood, right? (laughs) So my friends all had money. 
and they were they had their drinks and their drugs and all this stuff and i got hooked mm-hmm. i got hooked right because it was the escape for me from the reality of where i had to go home to right mm-hmm. and my father passed away and i was a mess at the time uh, because i was not doing well with all this other stuff i just mentioned but i had to shift gears because i had to take care of my mom and my sister and a light bulb went off and i started working and it was like a complete shift I went from partying, partying, partying to not speaking to any of these people within 24 hours. Wow. Yeah, because my cough enzyme is so fast, I, I just shift, right? Mm. And I, I, my priority became, how do I support the family? And I started working and working and working and building businesses that I didn't even realize I was doing. And then one day in my mid-20s, I took a look and I had a whole team of employees. And I didn't know where they came from, right? Wow. He hadn't looked so, up. Yeah. So then, then I, I, so I, I went down that entrepreneurial route and I, and I did what I did with reward. Then as I got into my thirties, I became depressed because I brought on a couple of business partners in a couple areas so that I could grow a, a couple of different things at the same time. And what I found was I kind of got complacent. Like I was okay with where I was and I wasn't pushing myself anymore. So I wasn't getting that sense of reward. My partners were, they were doing the work. And so with no pleasure and no reward, I got depressed mm. and I didn't want to go to work anymore. I would just lie in bed in the morning feeling like, why am I even awake? I don't get the point of all this. So all these people who are really suffering right now with depression and anxiety, nobody's talking to them about their DNA. No, because again, unless it's a genetic condition, meaning there's a switch that you can turn on or off that equals a problem. Geneticists don't believe that they're genetic. Anxiety is not genetic, right? Mm. What is genetic is the genes that drive the neurochemicals in your brain. And we've mapped that out to a T. The other thing that we've done that makes this possible is, remember I told you we met 7,000 people, right? So we've studied the mood and behavior of 7,000 people. That's what's been missing from genetics. Understanding the gene itself isn't enough. You need to sit with patients and interview them and talk to them and hear about their experience and understand, oh, when the neurochemical pathway looks like this, here's how they behave. Here's how they react. Here's how they can tolerate. Here's their PTSD levels. Mm. All of that stuff we document. And we did this with everybody from literally uh, U.S. Special Forces, like Black Ops military, professional NBA, NFL type players, super moms, yoga moms. You know, we, we did this from like executives, male and female both. So you name any sort of part of the sort of ecosystem, we've touched it all. So we've also understood the context, which is so important because even in one person, I have expressed in all three different ways I could because I've been in three different contexts. And you might again, but now you have the knowledge. And so you can either prevent or nip it in the bud or all of the above. And you can, I mean, there's, there's even supplements and diets and things, meditation that actually can yes. change those neurotransmitter quantities. I know yes. Dr. Joe Dispenza is doing a lot of research and showing that those levels actually change with meditation. We can supplement sure. those kinds of things, but not if you don't know. Not if you don't know, no. Right? Then, That's the point. Yeah. Then you just feel like you're, you have something. I, I have anxiety. It's a thing that I have. And I have to live with it. And, it. and it triggers once in a while. And I know what the triggers are. Or you could understand that that trigger just is a mismatched environmental load to what your capacity is. So there's things you can do. Like, and got, do we have time for another example? Yes. Well, I'm going to tell you about my niece. So, and this, by the way, 
my niece's story is the reason we went from a research company kind of under the radar to all of a sudden we're online pushing hard to the world. We only used to sell to clinics and like yourself and do research with partners. We didn't really sell to the consumer. We started because of my niece. And I'll tell you what happened. She, uh, it's now 2022. So in the winter of 2020, which was peak COVID, she was at home and she collapsed from an anxiety attack. First time mm-hmm. in her life when she was 13, right? So 13. she lives with my, 13, yeah. She lives with my sister and my mother. And my mom was calling me saying, get over here and help your niece. So I did. And I called a good friend who was a pediatrician, told him everything. He said, yeah, that sounds like a classic anxiety attack. It's typical girls at age, bullying, social media, all this stuff. Something's happening. You got to figure out what it is. So about a month or so later, my mom called me, said it happened again, but this time your niece fell and hurt herself. So you got to take her to the hospital because just to check if she had fractured, she can't walk. She basically was a problem. She couldn't walk. Oh, no. So I took her to, again, call my pediatrician friend. He got me into an urgent care. And we waited there for, uh, I think it was six or seven hours we spent there. Various scans and questions and a couple different people that came through. And the end result was, if it happens again, let us know. Oh. That, that was the outcome of the whole thing of the seven hours. Because we can't. We can't find a diagnosis or a disease readily yeah. that matched a CPT code. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no so Therefore, we'll just yeah. wait till it happens again. Maybe yeah. it won't. Yeah. So then my mom, I was actually funny enough uh, recording a podcast like this. And my mom, my phone was off the hook. My mom was calling, 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 calling. So finally I called her back and she said, you got to get over here. Your niece has run away from home. And I was like, what are you talking about? And this is completely out of character, super innocent. Like you would never, ever think there's no reason. So I said to her, her running away from home, she's not running from home. She's probably gone to a friend's house. It's not what you think. So literally I pull up to my mom's building and she's, my niece is downstairs just standing there because for her, that's like running away from home. Right. So I pick her up. I call my mom and said, don't worry, I got her. I tell my sister. Uh, and I asked her, what's wrong? It's like, is it somebody bugging you online or is there like pressure? Like what is happening? This keeps yeah. happening. She actually didn't know. And I realized that she was running away from that space. Like she just couldn't handle being there. So she was running away from herself and just standing outside, not knowing what to do. So then I slapped myself. So I was like, I have her DNA and I haven't even looked at it because mm-hmm. I had that impulsive call the doctor, right? Call the pediatrician because that's what you're supposed to do for a kid. Mm-hmm. So then I looked at her DNA and I realized, wait a second. I looked at my mom's calls and text messages and they were happening like clockwork every month. Uh, I was like, guarantee this is tied to her hormones and her menstrual cycle. So I asked my mom, tell me about her menstrual cycle the day that you called me. She said, you know what? Now you say it. It was just starting. Cycle was just starting. So what happens at the beginning of the cycle is your hormones are at their lowest. Progesterone, especially you're missing your peace. Yes. Yeah. And she is more uh, androgen dominant. So she's even lower than normal. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. So then why did it happen then? Why did it happen in October, November, December 2020? Well, that's the first time in her life that she was being homeschooled because of COVID. Mm. So she never went outside and had zero vitamin D. Oh. Right. So she already was ex- experiencing this low hormone thing every month, which would lead to some mood issues, call it PMS, whatever it is, right? But she went past that tipping point now, again, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, 
because she wasn't out. She hadn't gone outside in weeks, months. Yeah. Well, and also people don't realize that vitamin D is a pro hormone. Yes. It's a huge hormone. Yeah. It, it act, I, I think the reason it's been rebranded a vitamin is because if everyone knew what it really was, nobody would be sick. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's Diabetes, all kinds of stuff. So she yeah. takes the vitamin D now. Well, then, and... Yeah, so that, that was the second. So two things, hormone cycle, vitamin D. And then like me, she has a slim to none dopamine. So she was expressing this anxiety, a crash, right? So that combination led to her problem. So what would, what do we do? Since that day, by the way, since the day I figured this out, she has not been sick once. Oh, that's great news. Yeah. Otherwise, this third time, she would have been diagnosed with some kind of anxiety pill, and that would have been her new reality. Yeah. Right? So what do we do? We boost her up to 10,000 IU a day, the few days before her cycle started, then 5,000 in the first week, and then 2,000 or 2,500 maintenance dose. The important thing for her, however, is vitamin D, the genetics of vitamin D, there's one thing to get it from the sun and from food and put it into your blood. So when you get a vitamin D blood test, you're testing how much is available in the blood. That's step one of three genetically. Step two is you need to transport it from the blood to the cell where it's actually used. That's an entirely different gene. And a lot of people don't have the best version of that one. Then once it gets to the cell, you actually need to bind it so you can use it. That's another gene. And if you don't have a good version of that, I could give you 5,000 IU, but you might only use 2,000 of it. And this is especially true for people with darker skin because their ancestors spent a lot more time in the sun. So they needed to mitigate that overexposure to vitamin D. Right. Right. Whereas so, Irish are not. Yeah, well, you, you give me everything, right? <laughs> right. Yes. As much, yeah, yes. Yeah. And I also learned from the DNA test, you know, in medicine, we're taught that vitamin D is a fat soluble vitamin. So you can actually right. take a large dose, you can even take it once a week, it will be fine. That's not the case. One of my patients who we did the DNA test from the DNA company, he wasn't absorbing it genetically. Right. And so he had to take it in a divided dose. Yes. Morning and night in order to actually get it. And so we didn't change the amount at all. Yeah. But when we did the blood test three months later, just taking half in the morning, half at night, his level went up 30 points. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly what we did with my niece is we split the dose. I started her on three doses and we got it down to two. She did that. We put her on L-theanine for the dopamine. Uh, I told her to work on some like cold shower temperature dysregulation to boost the dopamine levels also. She hasn't had a problem since. Oh, that's you know? beautiful. It's been and no now she's it's got the knowledge as well and going forward. Is. Yeah. Now she knows as opposed to believing that she has this thing. She did. She temporarily did, right? Yeah, but it wasn't <coughs> but her fault. Was it's just the capacity of, of her genes and, and her hardware. And so I'm sure that as a teenager, that feels uh, like a relief. Like, yeah. oh, I, there's not something wrong with me. It's it's just this goes this way instead of that way. So we'll do this in the middle. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a beautiful story. Thank you so much for sharing all of this. And we're going to be able to offer all of our listeners a DNA test with the DNA company and we'll get right. a discount. And that'll be in the show notes because everybody should do this. I mean, why wouldn't you want to know so that you can A, live your best life now, but also prevent? I always right. have a saying that we live too short and die too long. 
<laughs> so I want my patients and my family and the loved ones to live vibrantly until the day they die. And so yep. with knowledge, that's possible. So For I always sure. end the, the podcast with asking, you know, something that like a tip that would bless people's lives or one of your favorite books. Ah, well, in terms of a tip, I, I myself am sort of a victim of the same thing. So I understand why people think this way. But I also understand when you see the light, how foolish you feel, right? And so I just want people to see the light faster, which is that your health is in your control when it comes to chronic disease and aging. You can be the CEO of your own health. Yes, you 100% can be. Which And what is a CEO? You're the decision maker, mm -hmm. right? You, you are the person that decides what happens next. And I would argue that every person here can add 10, 15 healthy years to their life. It's not just about age, like I want to live longer, but I want to add life in those years. I want to live with vitality, Yeah. right? So, you know, let me, to that point, it's not a book, but it's a study that I read, which drives this thought. There was a study by Harvard that said that there's five things you can do that will extend the average American's life expectancy for 14 years. For men, it was actually 12. For women, it was 14. That's a lot. Yeah. And, and the average expectancy, I think they said was 78. So this will get you almost to 100, right? So the, th the things are don't smoke, maximum one drink a day, exercise three hours a week, maintain a healthy weight and eat properly. Literally, this was a study published. They studied 70,000 data points from the Center for Disease Control that they had. And they said, here's the five things you can do. That tells you, based on what we're eating, our environmental exposures, the way that we have to live, how sick we actually are, where these five things will give you 14 years. So now this can give you 14 years. What would happen if you dipped into your human instruction manual and actually understood what you needed to do? Yeah. You know, there's people that are alive that are 120, 100, getting to 130 now. We could probably get to 150 if we truly understood and eliminated every potential risk at a personalized level. And stem cells to, to replace the cells. worn out parts. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> Things like that. And th this is just getting in that path. And that's what I meant about that light that bulb. That would be off. amazing. Yes, not right? so far off, maybe. No, it's not far. And th there's so many great things. The work that you do, for, as an example, there's so many things that people can do if you start to think that way. And if you start to become the CEO of your health and you start to take charge and have your annual maintenance plan and whatever you're doing about your health becomes something that you actually do, not something that you wait for because you're sick. Yeah. Starts with understanding who you are, building a team with people like yourself who have the tools and doing it, make it a priority. 66% of personal bankruptcies in the U.S. are due to healthcare costs. Oh, wow. Isn't that an interesting statistic? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. 66%. So the people that aren't willing to make the investment, is now, there any better investment? It right? gets you then. Yeah. You have the best iPhone. You have whatever you need, right? Yeah. yeah. But you can't spend a few hundred dollars a year on a few tests or, you know, that's the thing that will either put you in that 66% because once that hits and you're into the millions and hundreds of thousands yeah. as opposed to a few hundred to prevent it, 
Yeah. You know, so get to work now. That's what I would say. Well, let's encourage everybody to take advantage of the offer to get the DNA test with the R Clinic. And you can reach out to us at support at biothrivehealth.com. That's support at biothrivehealth.com. Thank you so much. I'm sure that... Uh, we're going to have tons of questions. So if it's okay with you, if it's out of my expertise, I'll let you comment and, and support sure. everybody if they if they want to email us any uh, questions. Thank yeah, reach so out. We're here to help. Thank you so much. We'll have a beautiful day. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. I hope that some of the information helps you become the CEO of your own health. Remember, Health can be contagious, so be sure to pass this on to those that you love and make sure that you subscribe so you're right on track to hear more amazing information to help you thrive. Have a beautiful day.